A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Wisconsin's clean lakes and streams are a huge economic driver to the state, driving in both public and private revenues, so it's important that those waters stay clean. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. The Badger State faces some issues in its waterways with algae blooms due to nutrient overload, but there's a way to combat that. Margaret Kalsik is joining UW-Madison's Department of Biological Systems Engineering. She's coming to Wisconsin from Ohio State after having done some work cleaning up Lake Erie. So Wisconsin um, had a, a new hire of faculty in that's funded through the Dairy Innovation Hub and I landed in the Biological Systems Engineering Department as you mentioned but this new hire is to focus on land and water stewardship focusing on both land our productivity of the land and the water and effects on that water and how we can steward both of these. Yeah, and in particular, uh, phosphorus nutrient management, right? Yes, my work has been on nutrient management and phosphorus in a big way the last few years, but nitrogen is also very important, even in Ohio, and I've been working with nitrogen for my whole career so far as well. So looking at nutrient export from cropland has been a focus of my work, and then the practices that we can use to reduce that nutrient export from cropland. It's more than just limiting phosphorus um, application, which is the research you found. There's other practices that can go into place to stop nutrient runoff. Very true. So there are many different there are many different pathways and and ways in which phosphorus and nitrogen can get from that fertilizer applied in the field or that manure applied in that field to our waters. And so my work is trying to look at both from monitoring of fields and edge of fields and then also modeling up to a watershed scale. What are those processes? How is phosphorus and nitrogen moving through our watersheds? And what can we do, what tools do we have to limit that phosphorus and nitrogen movement? Keep it on the farms and keep it out of our water. And as I mentioned, you had done this work uh, with Lake Erie, which has its own algae bloom problems. Were you able to solve that issue? Or what, what from that experience are you t- bringing to Wisconsin? Very good question. So I presented today a little bit about the work, a snapshot of the work that we've done to support policy and understanding of the issue in Lake Erie. And what we found is that Lake Erie's new targets the targets for the watersheds draining to Lake Erie are to limit not only um, algae bloom size but also hypoxia or low oxygen in the central basin. But when we focus on the, the harmful algae blooms that occur in Lake Erie, in that western part of Lake Erie, I'm sure some of you have heard in 2014 when we had that do not drink advisory around Toledo and oh my goodness this harmful algae is actually affecting drinking water. Well that problem we have targets. We have science-based targets of how we can meet the needs of Lake Erie, and that is to limit our phosphorus export from farmland and other sources in the watershed that get down to Lake Erie. Well, it's not only the particulate phosphorus that's attached to soil, but it's also the dissolved phosphorus that just kind of leaches through the system where water goes. Um, And so the, the watershed that I focus on, the Western Lake Erie Basin watershed, that area that drains to the lake used to be primarily the Great Black Swamp. It's very flat, 
poorly drained soils. And so the, the hydrology or the movement of water in that system, it's, it's waterlogged. So we have a lot of ways the water can move off. There's in, in surface runoff, but also these subsurface tile drains, they call them, where phosphorus uh, for water and nitrogen and phosphorus passes in these tile drains out to surface drains and conduits that then go to streams and rivers and out to the lake. So what we looked at is how can we meet Lake Erie's phosphorus goals in part using agricultural management changes. So the work that we, the work that we conducted was bringing together multiple models of, these, of this watershed to try to answer the question of what paths, what options do we have to try to reach these targets in Lake Erie. What we found is that the total phosphorus target, which is particulate plus dissolved, the whole of the phosphorus, it seems fairly achievable if we implement a lot more conservation. So we'll have to scale up the actions we have that are focused on that problem um, of reducing phosphorus export. Definitely it will take a lot of work, but it seems that the models are suggesting that we will be able to meet that target at, at some point. It, it might take time. It's a lot harder for us to try to meet that dissolved phosphorus target, is what the models are saying. And we have some measured data that also supports us, that the dissolved phosphorus can be hard to intercept as it travels with that water through both surface runoff and subsurface drainage. And as we heard from an earlier speaker this morning, Eric Cooley, we're finding not only in Ohio, but also in Wisconsin and other states, that there is this important trade-off that happens when we reduce tillage um, or, or disturbance of the soil on a farm. That's great for soil loss. We're reducing soil loss. We're reducing particulate phosphorus export. But we're often increasing dissolved phosphorus, leaving a field, because of the stratification or concentration of phosphorus in the surface soil layer due to manure or fertilizer applications at the soil surface. So one of the messages in both Lake Erie's watershed and what we're hearing here for Wisconsin is, if phosphorus is a water quality concern in a watershed, then we've got to do our best to get it into the soil, somehow incorporated into the soil, even if we have a reduced tillage system. And I mean, that's kind of the thing. Um, no till, it sits on top. But, you know, tilling also poses an issue, and it's finding that perfect balance. What will you be doing at UW-Madison? If you're funded through the Dairy Hub, are you going to be working on, on dairies for nutrient management, or what will your research look like here? That's a great question, and I'm still figuring that out, and I'm open to thinking about some new ideas about what Wisconsin's you know, grand challenges are around water quality. But I certainly expect in the, in the next few years that I will continue looking at water quality models, improving these models, tailoring these models to watersheds in Wisconsin, and trying to answer questions about um, nutrient flow through watersheds and what our agricultural conservation actions might, you know, what what results we can produce through agricultural uh, management practices. So some of the work that I've, I've been doing in Ohio that I'm going to be able to keep doing in Wisconsin is focusing on that tillage piece and also cover crops, the soil health treatments. They are really good for some things, but there are these trade-offs. So studying from both a monitoring and a modeling perspective, what is the role of soil health in water quality? And then another project that we just got funded that's actually led out of the Biological Systems Engineering Department, Anita Thompson is the lead on that, is focused on cold season processes and dynamics as related to nutrient export, nutrient loss. And that has also a manure focus, and at least part of the project. So I know that's really important here in Wisconsin 
Wisconsin. I've moved to a colder region. The cold season is more dominant here. So we're going to be looking at not only measuring but modeling these cold season dynamics and trying to improve our models so they can make better predictions um, so that we can rely on them more in, in thinking about what our options are in different watersheds here. You know, the agriculture community often feels like the finger is being pointed at them. But egg knows it does play a role, and you have a good rule of thumb for how much it does. Yeah, so there have been a couple different studies in the Ohio watershed that I focus looking at sources of phosphorus. And I haven't looked as carefully for nitrogen, but certainly for phosphorus, what we found is that the rule of thumb, I would say, is that the percentage of the land use that is agricultural is probably approximately the percentage of the phosphorus that's contributed. And so it's not necessarily you know, a disproportionate amount that that is coming from agriculture. But if you have a heavily agricultural watershed, well, then clearly agriculture has to be part of that solution. And so something like 85% of the watershed is in row crops, well, then something like 85% of the phosphorus might be coming from that agriculture. So there are different studies. Uh, The state of Ohio has a a mass balance study that I I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like that, that rule of thumb, if you know, it's, it's probably proportionate to the land use. Um, Now, I don't know if that holds true for nitrogen. I suspect I'd have to look more carefully at that one. And while your research is focused in agriculture, you are a big advocate for bringing everyone around the table, different industries, different political backgrounds. Certainly. So it's been really, it's been formative for me, helpful for me in my own research. And to be able to bring the concerns that, that we're working on, the, the questions we're working on, to a broad audience. And we have this advisory group of partners, key partners in the states, um, draining to Lake Erie, in agricultural arenas um, like Ohio Corn and Wheat, Ohio Pork, and you know Farm Bureau. And then we've got the environmental advocacy groups. And we're all around the table looking at research results, talking about what scenarios we can run in our models, thinking about how this could relate to policy. Now, I'm not making any policy changes. Like, I, I'm not a policymaker, right? So I, But I can still help provide data that might be useful to those who are making important decisions. And I've been very encouraged in the state of Ohio and in the region at how much, once we set these targets for Lake Erie, just how much people are coming together to try to solve the problem and how much how much I see them reaching across the table and speaking to one another like colleagues, not like someone across, you know, even with the different views. We're really, there's, there's been, I, in my opinion, in my interactions, a, a very collegial environment for trying to work on these things. And I, and I have heard that in Wisconsin, you have some of the same things happening here. Some of this coming together and trying to actually talk about real solutions. And I'm encouraged to be a part of that too. Absolutely, and welcome to Wisconsin. Margaret Kalsik is joining UW-Madison's Department of Biological Systems Engineering from The Ohio State University. Funded through the UW Dairy Hub, she'll be focusing on land and water stewardship. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.